0: Thank you, Hannah and Don. Paul, it's good to be here this morning. Let me just share uh, a few things that you may not be aware of. And uh, uh, obviously, we want you to be. I think, I know we sent out an email on this, but April Smith passed away uh, this last week and she lost her uh, battle to cancer. And um, obviously, she's much loved here and and her family is, uh, you know, they're. They're uh, obviously very sad, so we don't know all the details. I think we'll know them by uh, tomorrow, Tuesday for sure. As far as the service goes, we'll get that information to you. Um, Obviously, uh, pray for the Smith family. Uh, It's good to see Kayleen and Lorna and Carmen here this morning, and uh, they're all and Jan as well, struggling with the different maladies that you ladies have been dealing with. But it's good to see you here and uh, recovering and. And getting better. Uh, And then uh, just, you know, we just need to pray for the Sebastian family. We had the service here yesterday. And uh, I feel, believe with my heart that God was honored. And the family was blessed. And I I just can't uh, really express enough, I don't think, um, that the church here, the body here, So thankful for your expressions. Uh, So many of you just really gave selflessly and stood up and served and gave and all week long. It was a week-long process. And and then yesterday, uh, just getting through the service, very difficult. Devin, 23 years old. And again, the family is devastated um, and will be. This is not a grief that's just going to go away just it's not gonna just go away and so i'm thankful for the heart uh, of this congregation again thank you so much and then i just can't uh ask you enough to just continue to pray for the family just keep them in your prayers so again it's good to be here this morning it's a blessing to be here this morning we started a passage uh our section, we started our study in the book of Colossians. And as we're going through that introductory statement, if you refer to your handout, sermon handout, we've looked really at the first 12 verses in Colossians. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read those again. I won't read the entire 12, but I'll begin in chapter 1 of Colossians, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. The love you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world, also it has it is also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, uh, even as it has been doing in you. Also, since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth, so I mentioned that we talked about that last week. Understanding the grace of God in truth, and if I were to say to uh, anybody having the opportunity to sit down study God's word with them. Um, Christian or uh, Someone who's not Been saved I would say to them The single most important thing that you and I need to know In our Christian walk In our relationship with Christ um, Is that we need to understand The grace of God and truth we, uh, we have a lot of understanding Based upon a lot of stuff But the single most important thing That you and I And anyone Will ever truly understand, the most important is understanding the grace of God and truth. And that is a lifelong, I believe that, I believe to fully understand the grace of God and truth, it's a lifelong journey. It begins, but then as we live our life with Christ, it just, it's lifelong and, and it's the best journey and it's the best understanding that we can ever acquire understanding the grace of god in truth now i'm not going to go through these uh i put for your own reading we got we actually looked at the 42nd chapter of isaiah verses one through nine last week but i'd like for you on your own to take these four passages of scripture isaiah 600 years before jesus was born he wrote his prophetic word and uh In this, from the 42nd chapter through the 53rd chapter, there are four songs that have to do with uh, Christ, God's work, provision of, the promise of, uh, giving us a a Christ, which would be his son, and which is referred to uh, in all of these songs over and over again as servant, 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 primarily servant. So that God was going to give us his son, a savior, a king, a servant. Because we need grace. Not only do we need to understand grace, we need grace. The greatest single need that you and I have is grace. It just is. Um, I think about the condition of... Um, the of the church, the body of Christ, not just here, but globally. And I think about and listen to and, of course, study and uh, visiting with other preachers and just people that I've known for many years that are in ministry and, you know, every struggle that I think that we encounter as, as Christians that we struggle with or we're trying to struggle through or... We're frustrated with whatever it may be. I think at the at the center of that is something is always missing. At the center of every struggle and conflict or set of circumstances, <clears throat> there's always something lacking. And what is lacking always is grace. But really, that it's just grace. It's grace. So. This last week, getting ready to for this funeral, it's a devastating event uh, in the life of this family, losing their son the way they did. Uh, I said yesterday during the service, I've said from here, from the pulpit before, that I was so fortunate. I had uh, wonderful, wonderful mentors in my life, professors, preachers, elders. But I heard this regularly regularly. Uh, almost weekly, probably did hear it weekly in the College of Biblical Studies in, in Abilene was from these wonderful, wonderful individuals who were really trying to grow us up, teach us, uh, get us ready to, to serve and do ministry. Uh, they would say, don't be that preacher. Don't ever be that preacher that says, well, there's, we just can't understand that, whatever it may be. We just can't understand that. Don't be that guy. Well, there's just some things we can't know. Don't be that guy. Now, you, you may not know at that moment, but you, you ought to be able to say, well, here's what I do know. I'm going to study God's word, and I'm going to study as long as it takes so that I can have an understanding of whatever that circumstance, whatever that question might be, whatever the event that somebody's searching for. Well, what about this? How do you explain this? Is there explaining this? He said, And these guys, several of them, don't be the guy. so said, well, just some things we can't know. Don't be that guy. He said, because first of all, it's a discredit to God. And it's a discredit to God because it's a discredit to his word. Because the truth of the matter is, if you're going to handle this word, if you're going to be in the ministry of the word, there is this truth, it's just, it's an overwhelming truth. And this word answers anything and everything that is common to men. Now, the answers may be hard, we may not like them. And in fact, they can be brutally hard sometimes, but there is an answer. And there's not a place in scripture that doesn't exist where you couldn't say, all right, this is what God is teaching me. This is it. This is what's happening here in this individual uh, or these churches or this nation or these people or this family. Or this, whatever it is, that the scripture, it provides an answer. Now, so what does that have to do with understanding the grace of God in truth? Again, I go back to this starting point for us this morning. And that is, I really believe this. I believe it. If I would just had a video of my life with Tammy. And she loves the Lord and I love the Lord. We pray. We study God's word. I can just tell you, if there's a conflict in our life, huh, and we're not resolving it, you know what we're lacking? There's some, you know what's like Grace. You could do it in my marriage. You could do it at this church. You could do it. There's, there's, there's just—grace is missing. And you know, you've heard grace has said that it's an unmerited favor. In other words, we get something we don't deserve. I've come to learn it's way bigger than unmerited favor. I understand the premise of that, but it's way bigger. And so when you read these four songs, there is this picture that this prophet writes, Isaiah writes, and he's talking about, he's really writing about the grace of God as it would be given to, and he's doing, using the medium of song, but all of these songs, it's, if you just start diagramming them, you start breaking it down. Okay, you could just do grace 101, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And you start breaking those, systematically breaking those verses down. You can understand the grace of God in truth. You really can. So, rather than doing all of that this morning, I want to turn you to another song, and it's in Philippians. So, go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. This was, remember Paul told the Ephesians. He said, Listen, church, the Ephesians, uh, Christians in Ephesus, at one point in that letter to them, he said, listen, what you need to do is speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So the, 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 the psalm, the spiritual song, uh, the hymn had a purpose, not just to praise God, but to speak to one another. Same thing with Isaiah's songs that he's prophetically writing. Any of the songs, Song of Solomon, the psalms themselves, they're a lesson through song that speaks to us. So if you were going to take the Apostle Paul, remember, I promise you, to be a Pharisee 2,000 years ago, a teacher of the law, he had to have the Old Testament memorized, Genesis through Malachi, memorized. Now, he did in three languages. He he was a Roman citizen. He obviously knew the Greek. Uh, he knew the Hebrew, and he knew the Aramaic. So he was a walking Bible. I mean, he'd had it memorized. And he knew the purpose of the prophets writing songs, or the Psalms, to praise God and teach people. He knew these four songs in the book of Isaiah. He could quote them to you, three different languages. He could sing them in however they would sing. And so... If you took all of those songs, and you wanted to make a, a New Testament statement in the form of a song that was be the synopsis of these four songs, you can find it in one place. You All the doctrine and theology that is in these uh, four songs, you can find it in a first century song. And so I'm not, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in the second chapter of Philippians, The passage that I'm going to read was actually a hymn. The first century Christians sang a hymn. And at the root of this hymn that he writes in this letter to the Philippians, there was, it was, again, you could take all four of these songs out of Isaiah, and it says very quickly and beautifully uh, the truth of those four songs and the goal of those songs was to help God's people understand the grace of God in truth. So I want you to think about that. We're going to read these words. You may have just read over them in the past, um, but I want you to read them with the thought that this Apostle Paul, he's in prison. He's no man. He's suffering. And his whole life, in the same letter, he wrote, For me to live as Christ and for me to die as gain. I mean, he. Uh, talks about his circumstances, he talks about his place in life, and he talks about the only thing that really matters to anybody, anywhere, and that is the grace of God in truth. And he inserts in this second chapter a song. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 2. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any Consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affliction and compassion, great words. Consolation of love, fellowship of the Spirit, affection and compassion. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing, church do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourself you want to understand this is the introduction to the song he's about to write but you want to understand the grace of God and truth he's setting this these verses up but look at again let's read that verse Again, verse 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. That statement in and of itself, have you ever weighed that statement? Weighed yourself in light of that. Well, I'm a Christian, okay? I'm a Christian. I love God. I love him because he first loved me. I've confessed his name. I believe in him. I'm trusting him to save me, okay? Now, so I'm a Christian, and I'm, I'm trying to live in a way that God would want me to live. He wrote the Galatians. He said, you want to fulfill the whole law? want to fulfill the whole law bear one another's burdens That's he said that's the fulfillment of the whole law bear one another's burdens and then right here if I say I'm Christian and I'm trying to live according to that here it is again now weigh this put yourself on one side of the scale Christian and then this this make this the litmus test Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, a humble mind. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also the interest of others. And now the song. That's the introduction to the song. Now the song. Have this attitude. Have this attitude. There's not a single person in the world, not one, that is responsible for your attitude other than you and I. Not. They're just not. You say, well, so-and-so did this to me. Or, okay, all right. Well, sure, I'm sure it's true. But, but you and only you alone and me and me alone is responsible for the attitude that I have no matter what's going on around me. Only me only you so the word beautiful word have this is something you can have and The attitude is here's the song have this attitude in yourselves Which was also in Christ Jesus who although he existed in the form of God did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself taking the form of a bond and being made in the likeness of men being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, he humbled himself, remember humility of mind, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is a song. Even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. You can read that in those four songs. Now, those four songs out of Isaiah have something to say about a name and authority again for this reason also god highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is also uh, uh, which is above every name so that at the name of jesus every knee will bow and those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that jesus christ is the lord to the glory of god the father So if I'm going to understand the grace of God and truth, and I put that in light of who Jesus Christ is, my relationship with Jesus Christ, and then how I'm supposed to live according to that, there it is. I mean, that's it. His attitude was this. His attitude was, you know, you can read it in Isaiah, nine chapter, Do you read it? It says, for a child shall be born unto us. I mean, the same book, Isaiah. A child shall be born unto us, and he shall be what? He should be called what? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. You and I, we may be born in the image of God, but we are not and never have been. We're not God. We're not. If you read later on in Colossians, it says everything, everything, and it's also a hymn. We're not there yet in our study, but everything was created by him and for him and through him. Everything. The breath that you breathe. He was with the Father in the beginning, and out of nothingness, a creation took place. He's the only one that could ever make that claim. On the cross, he could have called 10,000 angels. All he had to do was speak a word. I asked the kids this morning. I said, uh, so have you ever been hurt by somebody? Yeah. Well, what happened? Well, it makes you sad. Yeah. Makes you angry. Yep. Okay. So what did you do about it? How'd you respond to that? What about you? Now, what about Christian you? And, and what about this? Somebody's done you wrong. And you live or I live under the fallacy that I have the power to do something about it. This is what we do. When Satan tempted Eve in the garden, you remember? He said, did God really say you shouldn't eat that? She said, oh yeah, God said that. She knew. He said, but, so the way he appealed to her was that it's okay. You, you can't trust God. He just doesn't want you to be like him. He appealed, well, I I like being my own God. That's our single biggest problem. And it has no place or room in the life of a Christian. It is natural to us. We do it. I have power. I have power. And then we spend most of our life doing this. You know, Jesus said, seek ye first my kingdom. And all these things will be added to you. From the time we're born, you know what we're trying to do? Happens right out of the womb. It's the nature of our flesh. We're trying to build a kingdom. My kingdom. My kingdom. This is what we do. It's my kingdom. This is my place. This is my stuff. This is my right. This is my money. This is my whatever. My kingdom. So what we do. And, and as we expand our kingdom, then our, our privilege and our right and our standing really take off. The bigger our kingdom gets, the, the more stuff that we have and the more, whatever it is, legacy, uh, degrees, uh, ownership, whatever it is, then who I am and what I think about me expands. We just can't help it. Is it we just can't. And so, it's all about my kingdom, not his kingdom. And so, we become little gods in our kingdom, little G. But none of us, none of us could make the statement that we are in the, listen, who did not consider equality with, a God, with God a thing to be grasped. He, he existed in the form of God, Christ Jesus. You can't make that claim. I can't. No man could ever make that claim. You want to understand the grace of God and truth? The only one who was in the form of God, he didn't regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't. He could have, but he didn't. Now you and I, if you're a Christian and you understand this, and this has to do with what? Doing nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regarding one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So church, I'm just going to ask you, where are you? Where, where are you? Where, I have to ask myself that daily. I, I do. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a minister. I'm a brother, I'm a son, Um, you know, I'm a Christian, and I have attitudes about all these people in my life, and events in my life, and things in my life. How does it measure up to this? Because the thing that I need to understand the most is the grace of God in truth, And the grace of God, in truth, is the only one who was formed, he was formed in the form of God. He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. That was the lowest of servants, by the way. Paul just read the passage. Mom comes to him. Hey, I want my sons. I want them to sit at the right hand. And I want them to be front row with you when you come into your kingdom. He said, well, you don't know what you're asking. and But that's not even my job. It's not. My father will take care of that. But you want to be first? And then he shows them. But you want to be first? He said, listen, I didn't come to be served but to serve. And you want to know how we serve? you want to understand the grace of God and truth, when's the last time you emptied yourself? When's the last time in your attitude that you get to have, when's the last time you emptied yourself? Well, I don't really empty myself at all. <laughs> you know? I'm trying to gain and acquire and assert. And if you really want to see the litmus test, just go to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus, he says, you, got to, you really want to figure this deal out? You know, I need you to love your enemies. <laughs> he said, it's all right. People can love somebody that, you know, it's all right. Well, it's easy to love our friends. He said, you want to be perfect like your father in heaven? It's right there in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, love your enemies. To love your enemy, you've got to empty yourself. To understand the grace of God in truth, you have to empty Yourself. I mentioned yesterday that when Jesus was hung on the cross, the statement that I had to do a thesis on was the statement that says, "Where well, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I remember, and I know that Christ always speaks truth, but I remember at that point, and that was my, <clears throat> that was my assignment, I'd always struggled with that because I said to myself, well, surely they knew what they were doing. They, they plotted to destroy him. They conspired against him. They've lied against him. Uh, they've manipulated. They've brought false witnesses uh, together uh, to bring a false accusations against them. By the way, Jesus said, Blessed are you when men persecute you and say all kinds of false things against you, because you're going to get something that's going to be rewarded in heaven. But the reality is this. He emptied himself on that cross. And that was the attitude that he had. And He made the comment father forgive them. They don't know what they're doing And I have to tell you folks as I'm going through this process and this is where it's going to get real personal this morning Out of this song that's supposed to help us understand the grace of God and truth. I said myself They knew exactly what they were doing And so then Over the next 30 weeks Genesis through revelation systematic theology Well, this has to be true I have a con- I'm have struggling with it. But it has to be true. He wouldn't have said it if it wasn't true. And then something came, just unfolded. You start in Genesis. After Adam and Eve, the scripture would say that we're, uh, it was written in the 51st Psalm, David wrote it. it, said that we're born in iniquity. We're born sinners. We are. We're born sinners. Paul writes in Romans chapter 7 about himself, the apostle of God. He would say, why do I do the very thing I don't want to do? The good that I would do, I find that I cannot do. I find then that the principle of evil dwells within me, the one who wishes to do good. Oh, wretched man that I am. So we're born sinners, and even as a Christian, I still, in this flesh, there's an evil principle in me. And I'm struggling with it my whole life because of my flesh. My mind has been darkened. I pursue earthly things. I'm in this flesh. I'm a born sinner. I have a principle of evil that dwells within me. John writes in 1 John, he says, if we say we don't sin, we lie. And the truth is not in us. If we say we haven't sinned, we make God out to be a liar. Paul said, I am the chief of all sinners. He said, I am the chief of all sinners. I have to die to sin daily. Christians sin. And so these people, 2,000 years ago, he's on the cross. I'm trying to understand the grace of God in truth. And he says about people that he understood. Listen, they're born in iniquity. They're born sinners. They have evil principles in them. It's the truth. Paul writes in Romans chapter 3, there's no not one of us that does good. And we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So you and I, in order for me to understand the grace of God in truth, I have to be honest about who I am according to what Scripture teaches I'm a born sinner that has an evil principle in me. I'm in the flesh. I sin and I have to die to sin daily. And the only way to understand the grace of God and truth is right there. Because in the song, he said, what did he say? Again, he didn't although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taken the form of a bond servant. Have you ever emptied yourself? Have you ever taken the form of, of, of a bond servant? You know what a bond servant is? A bond servant, a bond literally had to be paid. You're a servant. You're a slave. It's a slave. And if 2,000 years ago, if you existed in that culture, and maybe you got, you just, they're going to have a horse auction in Navasota up there. On the twenty seventh, and they're going to have some really good horses, Anna. But you know, because you've been to a horse they're going to have some horses up there. Somebody just going to try to get a little money. Maybe I can make more two, two, three. But we can send them to the glue factory. The horse has no more. The horse is just sucking air. The horse is just eating hay and sucking air. And you look at you look at that pathetic old horse. And you say, "Well, I maybe somebody will bid on it, but there'll be some of these consigned horses that nobody even bid on. There will be." And they're probably going to go to the glue factory, right? Kill plant, right? That's what a bond servant was. And somebody might take pity and say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pay the bond on this servant. That's a, how, when's the last time you did that? Are you a Christian. You say you're a Christian. When's the last time you, you did Something from selfishness or empty conceit? When? You think about that? I mean, the bag is better question is, could you say, okay, I can think, there was no selfishness or empty conceit in what was going, at this moment, in this set of circumstances, there wasn't any selfishness going on No empty conceit, and there was just humility of mind. I was regarding the other person or persons as more important than myself. When's the last time you did that? Have you ever done it at all? And if you're a Christian, how often should you be doing that? You want to understand the grace of God and truth? That's what happened. That's what he did being made in the likeness of men being found in the appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross that's all you need to do that's all you need to understand really understand to understand the grace of God in truth all he had to do literally all he had to do I believe with all of my heart all he had to do was just glance toward the heavens just glance and and the whole deal would have been over speak a word in fact I think all he had to do is think about it I think all he had to do is think about it I think all he had to do is Have a thought. Father, stop this. Destroy these people. But he had a humble mind. A humble mind. That's what you and I need to understand about the grace of God and truth. He emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so he said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And he was right. I've come to believe that most of our life we really don't know what we're doing. I I mean that. I just do. Now, if you're a Christian, you've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've been sealed with it. And yet, as long as we're in this flesh, we're going to struggle with it. And so much of what takes place in our life, we really don't know what we're doing. We might think we do. Do you think? But we don't. Jesus statement on the cross was true, then it's true now. You know, there's one other thing when he made that statement because we mentioned or we think this way. Um, we've always, I've heard preachers say that the criminal on the cross, you know, he said they both were cursing him at one point as they were being crucified. One of them came to his senses and he said, well, this man's done nothing. We're deserving what we get. He said, remember me when you come into your paradise. And Jesus said, I, I will today. And so for centuries, preachers have been saying that, well, that guy was saved. Many preachers will say that the Roman centurion was saved because he looked up and uh, after the death and the events with the death. He said, surely this man was the son of God. So that's a... Do you understand, when he said, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Everyone in that, everyone was forgiven. Everyone. Everyone. I'll sit down and do a complete and full study with you on what the Day of Atonement meant, the scapegoat, the role of the sacrifice of the Lamb, I will study it, book, chapter, and verse with you. Every vile person that spit in his face was forgiven. Everyone that took and hit him, put when his head was, and beat him in the head, mocking him, was forgiven. The Roman soldiers that cast lots for his garment, they were forgiven. The Pharisees who conspired to destroy him we're forgiven. That's, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now when you just start their church, do you really understand the grace of God and truth? I mean, really, do we? Because if we did, I think that we would regard each other as more important than ourselves. I think that we would put our selfishness and empty conceit aside. I think we would have an attitude that that says, you know what, whatever power I think I have, I don't have any, not really. All I have is the gift of life that God has given me. And then a humble mind. That's the grace of God in truth. And it was sung about... And it was witnessed 2,000 years ago. So I hope you've been challenged this morning and our desire is to honor God in all that we do. And so let's pray uh, to our God and our Father and ask him to help us having the attitude of Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, my prayer this morning uh, for myself and before the congregation is that uh, we we do begin to that we begin to understand in every good way in every great way that we begin to that it increases father our understanding of your grace in truth that 's my prayer this morning that we just continue to grow and we grasp and we want and we need. Your grace in truth. And we need to understand it. And I know that we have to look no further than the cross, Father. And as I struggle in my flesh and I struggle with my pride and I struggle with my ego, Father, I hope that in that struggle, whatever you need to do to destroy all those things in me, Father, that you would do it so that I can indeed not only understand your grace in truth, but I can live according to it. That is my prayer this morning, Father. We love you and we need you. And it's in the name of grace we pray. Amen.